0: to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by Stam Audio. Stam Audio creates zero-compromised recording gear that is light on the wallet. Only the best components are used, and each one goes through a rigorous testing process with one thing in mind, getting the best sound possible. Go to stamaudio.com for more info. And now your hosts, Joey Sturges, Joel Wanasek, and A.L. Levy. All right, welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine podcast. We have a very special edition of Mixed Crit Monday today. Uh, We're actually doing this on a Wednesday, so Mix Crit Wednesday with one of our favorite people and mixers on Earth, Mr. Billy Decker. Welcome. How are you doing?
1: Good morning, fellas. I'm doing great. Happy uh, Wednesday to you.
0: Happy Wednesday. Are we going to
1: drink whiskey on this or what? <laughs> we did that last night we'll wait we'll wait till the podcast is over
0: <laughs> alright perfect well um, I feel like
2: Mixed cutting would be more fun under the influence but what do I know
0: <laughs> a few weeks ago we did one where we were drinking beer and we kinda kind of got carried away oh my I had a great time though <laughs> would, wait would, was that the one with Brown yeah the one we did with John Brown where we did the Meshugga tunes we, oh, yeah. we definitely had a few um, it definitely uh it definitely makes the critiques funnier <laughs> i'll say i'll say i'll say that much but uh either that or dream killer turned angry you know yeah well I, I don't i don't know if we we went into anger mode or anything but i could definitely see how dream killer turned angry could happen but i think that honestly for me that would be more of a whiskey thing cuz We had a saying on tour, which was, was whiskey makes tours disappear. Oh, Uh, my. uh, (laughs) 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 And uh, basically, it also made things like stop signs disappear out out of the ground. And I've actually seen four dudes rip a stop sign out of the ground. And if you've never seen that before, you might not realize how hard that is to do. But those isn't things it like
2: a concrete base or something yeah, holding that thing in. Yeah, it, it's. I think that's a
1: felony, isn't it?
0: <laughs> hey, I didn't do it. <laughs> yes, I think that's a felony too. I definitely didn't do it. I have
2: to stop doing that every day, then.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, man, it just means you're strong.
1: I have a question for you, fellas. How many people submitted mixes to be critiqued, and how did you wind it down to just uh, three? Pick your top three. You're gonna be disappointed. You're but gonna be we very have disappointed. A... Yeah, we have
2: a group called the rocktagon that's subscribers only, and we usually just go through there, and sometimes it's like you click on three random posts, oh, okay. and you grab those three mixes,
0: and it's Crit City.
1: Oh, that's cool. Okay. Well, that, yeah. that kind of makes it, it even more interesting then, because you really don't know what you're going to be listening to, right?
0: That's right. It's like it's like Death from Above. Uh, it's totally, it's, ran, it's random. I just pick three and go, and... Mm. It's cool because everyone who puts a mix up in the rocktagon knows that this might happen and they kind of that's kind of what they agree to by posting in the rocktagon but uh, you know so they're gonna wake up one day when we publish this next week and realize that their mix was being created by the three of us. Gotcha
1: So for Country Month, four people submitted mixes. Why didn't you just do all four instead of pick three <laughs> out of four?
0: <laughs> no i I actually think that we're gonna probably have a few hundred submitting. We've had over five hundred oh, mixed wow. submissions the past few months.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: and it's too early to tell right now because what right now is the twelfth. So we're not gonna know till like the twenty second how many people are submitting, gotcha. but i th- people are having a lot of fun with these tunes. Which I'm really, really happy to hear. A lot of people who don't even listen to country are saying that they're having the most fun they've ever had, and uh, I I guess because the tracks are so well recorded, right? um, That and that's one thing that's blowing me away about these tracks. That I put them in was was just like hit play, faders up. Oh my god, this sounds incredible! Yeah, Uh, like.
1: That's really uh, in all honesty that's I mean literally that's Nashville that's what I see almost every day whether it's a demo an independent record or you know a full blown major label thing it's just I mean we're Music City we've got world class studios there's world class engineers that have been doing this from day 1 so it's it's fantastic world class gear I mean, you name it, it's it's really easy and really fun to
0: get up every day and come to work. The standards are so damn high, and I think that that should be inspirational for anybody, no matter what genre you're in, because for you, that's every day, but for us, that's definitely not... An everyday thing. We yeah. If we get a
2: good mix, yeah. that's prepped right and labeled properly, and like you know the symbols don't sound like they're recorded in a ten by ten room on like fifty dollar microphones. That is a great day. Like you call the engineer that did the work, and you're like, thank you, you're my favorite. Let's work together again.
1: <laughs> yeah. The worst thing I may get is maybe one. Mic like the snare bottom mic might be out of phase or something like that, which is almost irrelevant. You know, that's like... oh, so unacceptable. Yeah, that's the worst thing that'll ever happen. Other than that, <laughs> it's like great. I mean, it's it's never distorted. The tracks are never damaged or weird waveforms or crack. I mean, a lot of times it's even cleaned up. Even when I do a demo, it's cleaned up, ready to go for me, just to mix a demo. That's how much prep work they take. So it, it's really cool and fun to work here.
0: The, it's... It's really uh, eye-opening and it goes to show that everything that we've always said about um, taking the time to prep everything, how the engineering makes a huge difference into how good of a mix it's going to be the better the source the you know the better the final tone all that stuff how arrangement makes a big difference in the mix like all that stuff which I've been preaching, Literally since day one of doing this educational stuff, uh, sometimes it gets lost with the metal stuff because some of it's not recorded great, or sometimes the arrangements aren't aren't awesome because you know everything's like in the same range or whatever. But like now doing these country tracks, it validates all of that because it's a perfect example of all those things coming together. Arrangement, songwriting, engineering, editing, prep work. And that's why you can just bring the tracks in, faders up, unity, and it sounds almost done.
2: Exactly. Good point. Good point. So we ready to rip some mixes or
0: what?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it.
0: Okay, so first mix, first up, is by... Our subscriber, Fabio De La Luz, and this is his version of Rodney Atkins' These Are My People.
3: Funky Southern rock junkies cranking up the stereos, singing loud and proud to give me three steps, simple man and Curtis Lowe, we were good. Got some discount knowledge at the junior college where we majored in beer and girls. It was all real funny till we ran out of money and they threw us out into the world. You're in
0: Alright, that was by our subscriber Fabio De La Luz, Rodney Atkins, These Are My People, and man, what a catchy song, but... uh I thought those balances were weird. What did you think, Decker? This this is... Uh, I want to defer to you first, because you are the expert.
1: Yeah, well, I'm far from that. I got a lot of people fooled, but here's my two cents. <laughs> I would say I don't dig, and I don't think the artist would, the big harmonizer on the vocal, too. There was some weird, some weird spatial effect he had on that lead vocal. And instantly, I was like, whoa, what is that? Also, I think... Fabio really needs to work on uh, compression and limiting just on each individual instruments to get the whole mix up louder. Uh, And he definitely needs a lot more bass in that.
0: Did you think that the balances were kind of weird? Like, I was hearing the acoustic guitar, for instance. Like, the acoustic guitar on the left was just, like, equal volume as the vocal, almost. It almost sounded to me like the vocals were not up on top of the mix, like I would want to hear in like a pop song or something. Uh, I almost feel like the vocal was kind of like riding underneath some of those background or supportive instrumental elements at times. And that kind of bugged me. I felt like that was more of like a metal move than, (laughs) you know, to... Because sometimes when you have certain types of vocals and metal, you want to... Maybe you don't put the vocals up as loud as you would in a vocal-heavy genre like this. Uh, so that kind of that kind of bugged me a little bit. But
2: I think what it comes down to, for me at least, is that he needs to do a much better job of prioritizing elements in sections. For example, maybe the vocal drops out, and then the mix is kind of static. Like there's a couple of instruments and little fill-ins there, and the ear can only pay attention to a couple of things. I think the max is about three and, you know, so everything else is kind of filler. So you got to pick like, what's the main element and what's the supporting element and what's kind of just there in the background as, you know, hanging out, not doing much other than just being background music. So, you know, when he keeps the bell elements all up front and there's a lot of different things going on, there's too much stuff competing to draw your attention. So, you know, in each little section, because of the density of a track like this, and there's all these little fills and different instruments and different parts that come in and out, you know, this extra ear candy, it makes it really hard to balance the mix because there's a lot of things you have to prioritize and what might work in one section when you hit a transition or a different section may not work there. So that's something I thought that he really needed to spend a lot of time working on was highlighting the correct elements in each section that need to be the star when they need to be the star.
1: That sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) I just had trouble wrapping my ears around it because it was that effect on the lead vocal threw me when it came in and the mix was so low in volume.
2: Yeah, he needs less. I agree Like the whole verse reverb, it kind of came in and it's got a very um, distinctive Type of reverb delay kind of sound thing, and it I think it needs a lot less of that. It, it definitely kind of didn't gel with the track, if that's the best words for it. So it was kind of like, here's the vocal, here's the track, but the vocals kind of sounded like near a different ambient space than the rest of the song.
0: I want to key in on something that you've been saying, Billy, because if I'm correct, you don't master your own mixes, right?
1: Uh, uh, how about uh. On the major label stuff, not usually. I send that off. But on the indie stuff, a lot of demos, stuff like that, I do. Just because when these people are going in for their song pitches at record companies and whatnot, loudest wins. I know that's not necessarily politically to correct say, but... It's true. When you're coming in after uh, another songwriter to pitch their songs, if yours is bigger, wider, deeper... The person sitting there listening all of a sudden takes notice and goes, oh, my, you know, well, that's. Hey, man, you got that plug plugin or what, Billy? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, this is a perfect situation for the LeBros plugin. <laughs> is that the
1: infinity one?
2: That's- yeah, I'll send it to you. I mean, you could just go download it for free, but I'll send it to you anyways. You just LeBros the mix next time and you're guaranteed to have the loudest mix.
0: Period. It literally just turns it up six dB. Oh, but, that's but, hilarious. Well, so what I was curious about what you were getting at with volume because normally, when talking about mixes, we're not critiquing the overall volume. But uh, are you talking about having a a, a pseudo mastering chain at the end, or are you talking about the individual getting the individual volumes of the individual tracks up and just having a louder mix? pre-any pre, pre any sort of mastering chain?
1: Uh, both, to be honest with you. And when we do the nail-the-mix at the end of the month, you'll see what I'm talking about. But I use a lot of... I use a lot of compressors and limiters, but I use a little bit of each one rather than just using a couple and smashing them. I use a little bit from each one and it just seems to sum up and make the whole mix just kind of grow. And then by the time I get done... I'm bringing down my master fader because everything is so hot. I know that's probably backwards and wrong, but I've just been doing it for so long that way that it's just I'm comfortable. But if I hear something that isn't like jumping out the speakers at me, it, I have a real hard time going. Okay, let me turn that up and let me start digging through the mix. It's it's almost like I expect it. You know what I mean? If I if I pull on a CD off itunes or or just pull up any tune there's a certain quote-unquote professional standard you're just used to hearing and that to me that just equates with knowing how to use compression and limiting the right way
2: definitely does that
1: make any sense absolutely absolutely okay okay because a lot of times you'll hear a demo and it's like i get people sending me stuff all the time just going hey can you put your ear on this tell me what you think i need to work on and it, it just sounds like somebody was messing around in a home studio and just pushing up faders and didn't really know how to get the full dynamic range out of something, you know, and really make it pop and hop. And I'm like, well, here here's a good barometer. Turn on the radio or go to iTunes and download your favorite song and put it side by side. Do Does it sound like that? Is it as wide? Is it as deep? Is it as big? Is it as loud? Look at the waveform, you know? Most of the time nowadays, you You look at waveforms and everybody looks like just a piece of duct tape because that's what we're so used to looking (laughs) at. You know? I love Uh, it. And if if your mix doesn't look like duct tape, turn the damn thing up if you want it to be that way. If not, you know, then don't do it.
2: (laughs) So we've just established one thing here just to set the record straight publicly. Um, While the rest of the industry is trying to combat the loudness wars, Decker and I are still trying to win it.
1: We need, oh, oh. We, need, we need, along with my kick drum cell records, we need some kind of duct tape slogan. Absolutely. <laughs> duct tape mix, duct tape AF. There you go. Well,
0: well that's why, uh, I guess we we didn't know this at first, but it all comes together. It all makes sense now. We have duct tape in our logo for nail the mix, mix. Oh, <laughs> we have had it all the time maybe that's maybe that's what we were doing without even knowing it so all right let's move on to the next mix this is by our subscriber michael nolasco
3: lifted off of his old man we were football funky southern rock junkies cranking up the stereos singing loud and proud to give me three steps simple man and us low we were good you know got some discount knowledge at the junior college where we majored in beer and girls it was all real funny till we ran out of money and they threw us out
0: All right, that was subscriber Michael Nolasco's version of These Are My People by Rodney Atkins. Joel, what do you think? Holy shit, dude.
2: Kick drum frickin' city. Is this a country song or a kick drum solo? Because I couldn't tell, man. This Kick drum is just cranked, and it is super metal. I feel like this guy took Billy's advice when he said kick drums sell records, but reality is, like, this kick drum, <laughs> is, I don't think, is going to sell too many records. I don't know what you guys think.
1: Uh, I would say, first things first, clean up your intro, meaning let's cut out the clicks and the talking and whatnot. You never want that unless it's like a special effect or something. But, I mean, we got to put a tail or a head and a, a header and a footer on this song with a fade. So definitely clean the top. You want to get rid of all the talking, the clicks, the garbage. And then uh, he used a, another effect similar to Felipe. It was almost like a, a doubler or something on the lead vocal. Did you guys hear that?
0: Yeah, I, it was... Uh- I all, I couldn't tell what it was. I just hear all kinds of weird vocal artifacts in there like almost yeah like there's something there's something weird doubling the vocals.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure what it was and those are cool. A lot of times if I do a pop thing, I'll do the the doubler thing not so much in country and if you do want to use it half that level. So you can use a doubler but just use it on like an acoustic guitar, not a vocal most people in this genre usually stay away from the doubled lead vocal electronically they'll do it real when choruses is hit a lot of times I'll get a true double or a true triple you know what i mean you've got the lead vocal and then you've got two doubles that have been lined up and are the same thing you can hard left and hard right them but the fake uh, stereo spread thing yeah I'll use it real sparingly that's my I guess, best advice on that thing.
0: I I believe in using that real sparingly, period. (laughs) (laughs) You guys think this
2: mix is kind of on the thin side?
1: Yeah, yeah. It needs a little more low-end. And once again, that whole compression limiting thing, just, dude, If uh, best piece of advice to get you going, just grab, If worst-case scenario, get an 1176 plug-in, open it all the way up, as slow as it'll attack and as fast as it'll release... And just start hitting everything probably 4 to 1 and add a couple dB of compression on everything. You'll be shocked at what that'll do. That'll at least get you going. You know what I mean? Good Absolutely. starting
0: point. Yeah, yeah so, and
1: keep so. you out of trouble. Then you can start messing with your tack and releases for different instruments. But just to get going, just throw it on there and start getting your volumes up and some some warmth and some squish on some stuff. So
0: I noticed a couple more things, and I'm, I'm going to not repeat the stuff that we already said that was in my notes, but uh, so the bass felt way too mid-heavy. Like, I almost felt like he was trying to get that, that mid-range of a bass that you kind of try to dial in on a metal song to
3: mm-hmm. come
0: out. So I'm hearing that a lot more than, like, the low end of the bass. And I also feel like if I was a l- common layperson who couldn't identify... What instruments were in the mix, other than the basics? I would tell you that this was pretty much drums, bass, vocals, and shaker. So, <laughs> like, there's I, one
2: more element though that you missed. What about those odd left panned harmonies that just show up? Yeah, in yeah, super yeah. Oh, model? yeah,
0: yeah. But see, a layperson wouldn't uh, wouldn't point that out. But yeah, I noticed that for sure. That there's the weird that those left pan harmonies just come in and out and they are really really loud and then that shaker uh, which i believe is on the right is like at times it's so loud that it sounds like it's the only thing in the right channel i know it's not but like it's so loud (laughs) so much shaker
1: you know what else is funny is i explained this to a couple people but when this album was made I actually didn't mix These Are My People, the album version they had me remix for radio so the one everybody heard on the radio is the one I did the one that showed up if you bought the physical CD uh, was a friend of mine named Julian King he actually mixed that and then I mixed the rest of the record so and what's funny is I listen to Nail the Mix and see everybody talking about the metal thing everybody's all the way into samples kicks, snares, toms And I use samples all over the one that I did for radio on this song. And every submission that I've been hearing so far or seeing, nobody's using any samples at all. They're trying to mix just the (laughs) real drums. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you guys are like sample kings here, you know?
0: All right. So it's funny you bring that up. Let's just say that in the metal community, there's something called sample guilt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to get Amazing. into I don't want to get into pol- political or sociological terms of what I'm basing that off of. But right. uh, there's a lot of self-imposed guilt that metal dudes throw around about the use of samples. Like there's a lot of shaming. When it comes to samples, I don't understand why. Really? But, but, but yeah, but like, there's this weird. Joel, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, fuck there, yeah. Yeah, I yeah know. there's this weird. I don't get it. Like, I don't get I love it my either. Samples. That's <laughs>
1: my favorite part of the format is the drum sounds. I love the sample sounds. You know what I mean? That's what makes the format the format. I well, agree. It I agree.
0: Dude, I agree. And not just that, they're pretty damn necessary. I mean, here and there, you will get a really badass metal mix where the guy's like, I didn't use samples. And uh, and you know what? In the Taylor Larson nail the mix, he barely used them. I mean, barely, and it sounded great. So, I mean, you can do it, but it's a t- minority of mixes in metal that get away with not doing it. It's got to be recorded just right, and the mixer's got to be a fucking ninja, but like even so, they just add so much power and consistency. And that's what this genre needs in mixes is power and consistency. But there's just this stigma that it's cheating. And I don't know where that started, but wow, it's not cheating, as we know. And Dude, I'd so-
2: sample a jazz recording. I don't care. Like, just, <laughs> just biggest, baddest drums. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think that a lot of these guys are... They're, I literally do not mix without them.
1: And I've been asked a couple times, and it's it's hard, really hard, to mix without samples and make it sound good.
0: I and then c- you just sample agree. them and
1: don't tell the band.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, how how are they going to know unless it's like, di- unless you're not adding any dynamics to Ghost Notes or something? So I think that they probably think that they need to try to get it all natural. And they're they're forgetting that what they really need to do is to get it to sound great.
1: Yeah, doesn't care how you get it there. Just make it sound awesome. Who cares?
0: Yeah, exactly. Man, I hope all you sample purists are listening to this and you can put your guilt aside and just Try to make the best sounding mix possible.
2: Al, you just created an SJW problem. Sample justice warrior. It's it's about to happen,
1: dude. It's unavoidable. Oh my god! I've never seen an award given to like best mixed album without samples. Best mixed album with samples. It's just best album. (laughs) I mean, to me, that's just idiotic. It's like make it sound good. Seriously.
2: Oh my god! It's great. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that kind of reminds me. Um, back when I was starting out, I had the same type of shaming. I jumped on Pro Tools before a lot of other people did, uh, yep. and made it my format. And boy, I took some heat for mixing records in Pro Tools as, as opposed, opposed to, to mixing on a console. Along, a console. Yeah, yeah, same exact thing. It was almost like cheating, and I got shamed and all that. And I'm like, hey, you can you can laugh all you want, but. I'm laughing all the way to the (laughs) bank, and I'm getting home at (laughs) 5 o'clock at night. So I'm going to keep doing this. And look look what happened. Almost everybody mixes in Pro Tools now. There's still consoles, uh, and there's still consoles that people mix on, obviously. But I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, I'd say over 75% of the music these days is mixed in the digital format on a workstation. True? False? Oh, probably.
0: Probably higher than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So see, who gets the last
0: laugh? <laughs> well, dude, it's a very, very similar sort of thing. And people just, they just are this way for some reason. It's like amp sims versus amps, Mac versus PC, samples versus not, digital versus analog. It's so annoying. It's like if people are forgetting what's important when they make these arguments, which is your output and your workflow to get to that output. That's all that matters. Is your workflow good? And does it allow you to make the best possible final product? And if so, it's awesome. And is your final product great? Great. Who the hell cares how you got there? Gotcha. Yeah, so, I
1: agree. So. I agree.
0: All right, cool. Let's uh, let's move on. This is by our subscriber Johnny Ragin. <laughs>
3: Down by the railroad track Shooting BBs at old beer cans Choking on the smoke from a lucky strike Somebody lifted off of his old man We were football funky Southern rock junkies Cranking up the stereos Singing loud and proud to give me 3 Steps, simple man and Curtis Lowe We were good, you know Got some discount knowledge at the junior college where we majored in beer and girls. It was all real funny till we ran out of money and they threw us out into the world. Yeah, the kids that thought they'd run this town ain't running much of anything. Just loving and loving and busting our backs and we call it all living the dream. But these are my people. This is where I come from. Giving this life everything we've got And then some It ain't always pretty But it's real It's the way we were made Wouldn't have it any other way These are my people Where well, we take it all week on the chin With a grin till we make it to a Friday night And it's church league softball Holler about a bad call Preacher breaking up a fight then later on at the Green Light Tavern Well, everybody's gathering as friends And the beers are four until Monday morning And we start it all over again And these are my people This is where I come from We're giving this life, everything we've got And then some It ain't always pretty But it's real It's the way we were made, wouldn't have it any other way. These are my people. We fall down and we get up. We walk around and we talk tough.
0: Subscriber Johnny Ragin, his version of These Are My People by Rodney Atkins. And definitely the best one of the bunch, don't you think?
1: I agree. Johnny, uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of notes. No. Yeah, he knows how to use compression, uh, EQ. Uh, the spatial elements are real good. I did notice one thing. On my end, what I was listening to, and it may have just been a bad MP3 burn, but is this mix distorted?
0: Oh, that's what that's what I heard, too.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, Johnny, a uh, tip I learned from a, a producer engineer here in town that's been doing it for a long time. The only time you're ever going to hear distortion is at low volumes, typically. So a good thing to do is if you're mixing loud and proud, a lot of times it'll get by you because you can't hear it. So Hit the dim button on your console or your workstation, turn it down real low, and if you're hearing little crackles, lower that two bus, dude. Bring everybody down. That that would be my best advice, is to monitor loud, get the bass, feel it, uh, and then turn it down and just make sure it's clean before you send it out, because you don't want to have to... Say, for instance, this was actually going to the artist or the client, and say... They are taking it right over to the record company. You are as good as the last thing anybody hears, so you can't afford to make a mistake. Dude pops it up in his record company, and hey, listen to Johnny's mix. We just tried him out, and the president of the record label's like, "Uh, that's distorted. Johnny is not working for us ever again."
0: And it's just that brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just just remember, you're as good as the last thing you've done. Take the extra time, do good work. Make sure it's clean. Follow all, you know, get your music, your your, get everything that makes you happy and then go back and make a checklist of all the technical things that aren't going to snag you on your way. Make sure it's not distorted. Make sure the intro's not clipped. Make sure your fade is clean. Make sure there's no noise at the beginning of the song. No pops in the vocal. Make sure you go through and de-click stuff. Just uh, do yourself a favor. You know what I mean? And approach it like this is the last mix you're ever going to do every time you mix. And trust me, it will pay off.
0: And these are all things that you can fix within like 15 minutes.
1: Absolutely. And it will keep you working for the next 15 years.
0: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, man, I didn't really have too many notes on this one. Uh, I have a couple of small things. Yeah, my main thing was the distortion. And I, I hear some pumping. And that that's but really overall, I just I wanted to say a pretty good job, man. Uh, I feel like you're approaching good mixes here, and fi- basically working out these last few elements. I'm going to start to have some some pretty good stuff here. Yeah, so he's, what,
1: he, he's got a future as a mixer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, think, I think, so too. think so too. Yeah, good job, Johnny.
0: So, what did you think, Joel? What were your uh, what were your things? I'm going to
2: be the nitpicky knob, huh? That's right, okay. So I thought the I thought the acoustics were just a pinch too muddy and um some of the dubs that were coming in the mid-range was masking a little bit so you know something would pop in for a second and then it would be like all of a sudden there'd be a huge influx of mid-range and then it would kind of add a little bit of like a layer of a sheet of cloudiness to the mix. So you got to watch that kind of stuff, just the accumulation of the mid-range, especially when you're dealing with a lot of dense elements and there's so many different things and little pieces of ear candy and then suddenly something comes in and it has just a little bit too much mid-range and then that just accumulates and compounds across all of the other elements in the mix. So that was the main thing. And again, I'm just being nitpicky here. Um, the other thing I thought is he should watch some of the hard pan because they're pulling away the attention from some of the vocals, meaning he had a couple of the candy elements, I feel like a little bit too hot at certain places. And when it comes in, it pokes out of the speaker too much. And it kind of like, I'm listening to the vocal all of a sudden, I kind of drift off to like that left or right speaker. And I'm like, oh, dub. And then I'm back to the main line. And I feel like in a song like this, because it's meant for radio, you should just be like laser focused as a listener solely on the vocals. You shouldn't be jumping around with your brain and your attention and your concentration if the guy sings. So it didn't happen often, but every once in a
1: while.
0: I hear what you're saying. I agree with you.
1: Am I allowed to say what I would do to fix yeah. some of yeah. those, or should please. I save it for Nail the Mix?
0: No, no, please please, please say what you what you would do.
1: So as far as that muddiness Joel was talking about, for country acoustics, a lot of times they're doubled. So I'll get a, a mono guitar, and then dude will double it and play the exact same thing. So most of the time I'll hard pan them left and right, and I always put a uh, high pass on about 125, and then around 240, 250, I take about 6 dB out and just carve that out, because that's where that muddiness seems to be. A lot of times, everybody in town puts mics on the neck and on the body, and so I'll get two mics per pass. So if that makes sense, I'll actually have four Mm -hmm. mics, four tracks, of a stereo, and I usually kill the necks because they're too bright, and I like the body, but I always have to chunk some of that low-mid out that Joel was talking about.
0: It's interesting that, that you say that because every single time that I've tried doing two mics like that on an acoustic, I end up ditching the neck mic
1: Oh, that's as well. funny. Yeah, I just think the body sounds good. And everybody always uses those thin um, pencil mics. I, I, I forget... KM-84s. KM-84s, yeah. 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 So they always put one on the neck and one on the body.
0: Now, I will say this. uh, There are times when I have put a KM-84 on the neck when I'm recording an acoustic that I know is going to go as a layer behind a wall of distorted guitars. And in that case, it tends to be a good choice because it's easy to just cut out all the low end anyways and just when you just really kinda want the pick attack really to yeah. kinda like have a have like it's not it's just a background element and you really just want the almost the texture of the strumming. In that case I've noticed that the K M eighty four works really nicely if I know that if if I record it with the mix in mind, but in general if there's gonna be acoustics playing by themselves, I find that it's almost too thin sounding.
1: Gotcha. And as far as those background vocals jumping out, I always, and I'm sure you guys probably do too, but I always subgroup all the background vocals and just clamp them down. I've got a compressor with kind of a super fast release and a medium attack, and then I can speed that up if they're all over the place to clamp down, and then I'll literally hit them with an EQ, another compressor with a slower attack and then I'll put that rend vocal on and lock it down and then uh, and then I'll usually put a limiter on it after that and then 2 DSers. hell yeah they ain't moving you know what I mean so that <laughs> way if uh, a lot of times people come in and they'll they won't realize that I'm putting the background vocals through a sub or uh, you know busting them through a channel that's just got them locked and they'll be like yeah go ahead and just turn those backgrounds up like one and I'll take my background channel and i'll lift it up like 6 db and they're like whoa 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 or turn it down that much and i'm like no you don't understand they're getting like just crushed in that thing so in order to really either lower them or get them up there you got to just either feed them in there super hard or lower them you know 6 db
2: i got to introduce you to l1 man i got a much better setting you got to use all those plugins you just take the bar you grab it go all the way down and then close <laughs> the plug
0: <laughs> Dude, that's what
2: I, I do
1: on the. I, that, that's what I do on the two bus. I don't need that on the background <laughs> vocals.
2: I love it.
0: Oh, there's my duct tape. I love uh renvok By the way, I love that plugin.
1: Yeah, that is a good plugin. That's yeah. a lifesaver. So I use that on lead vocals too.
0: That used to be one of my go tos, and for some reason, I think someone made fun of me, like someone I respected for using it, and then I stopped using it, oh, and, really? then, and then yeah. Uh, A long time ago. But then I came back to it and was like, Why did I ever listen to him? This plugins great.
1: Oh yeah. I I love (laughs) I love the one knob things that you don't even know what they do, they just
0: do. Those are the best. As long as it sounds good.
1: Yeah. And then when somebody asks you what it is, then you can make up this super cool thing that has to do with like Oh, it goes through ball bearings and the flux capacitor (laughs) and then it does all the... (laughs) And then they think you're either an idiot or really smart. All you do is pull one lever down. Anybody can do it.
0: Yeah, but you would be amazed because I've seen lots of people pull the lever down on L1, for instance, and just totally botch it. Really? Yeah, so...
2: I have a trick. I haven't disclosed it, but um, that's why. Only I know how to use it correctly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I want to know what this trick is. But, uh... Billy, thank you so much for coming on Mixed Crit Monday and sharing your expertise with uh, with us in critting these mixes.
1: Well, hey, guys, happy to do it. And like I tell everybody, I don't know everything, but I probably know someone who does, so I can always get an answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you guys liked what you heard uh, and you want your chance to mix uh, this song by Rodney Atkins, uh, These Are My People, and also get a live mixing class from Billy Decker, as well as mix uh, Drive Me Away by Jess Moskaluke, Take It On Home by Genevieve Fisher, and Think of You by Chris Young and Cassidy Pope. Sign up for Nail the Mix this month, April 2017, at nailthemix.com slash Decker. You'll get the multitracks for all those songs get to enter our competition uh, for a STAM Audio Engineering 1073 MPA dual-channel preamp or SA73 single-channel preamp, and these are Neve-style, and they're badass. Um, Dude, how
2: sick of a prize is that? Can Those are pretty great. I kind of want to enter the mix competition incognito just so I can get a pair of STAM audios.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They are pretty great, and everyone I know who owns one, Says nothing but great things about them. So, should him hey and you get Neve style preamps as a prize for doing a badass job mixing? Yeah, you can and never having have enough fun. Neve
2: in your studio. It doesn't matter if you have a rack of 1084s, you could always add like one or two more. There's always something to use it on.
0: Yeah, there's never enough Neve.
1: And as an added bonus, how about Billy Decker takes a stab at mixing cognizance? And That's I'll let, right. I'll let the metal kids critique my mix. How about
0: that? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, so uh, just as a, a show of love for our metal audience, because, hey, I mean, the w- we primarily do rock and metal. We threw in a metal song just because, just for fun by british death metal band cognizance with alex rudinger on drums song is called aeon of creation you can look it up on youtube and uh it's pretty damn speedy stuff (laughs) Uh, and and yeah and billy will mix that one as well That's a bonus and it'll be fun what can i say
1: It'll be awesome. Thank you, Thank you, sir. Thank
0: you for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me, so fellas. Look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Yeah, can't wait.
0: Can't
3: wait. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by Stam
0: Audio. Stam Audio creates zero-compromised recording gear that is light on the wallet. Only the best components are used, and each one goes through a rigorous testing process with one thing in mind, getting the best sound possible. Go to stamaudio.com for more info. To ask us questions, make suggestions, and interact. Visit urm.academy slash podcast and subscribe
3: today.